Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 204, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden, and I'm joined by the Duck, Kirk Bowles. And Duck, we are one day removed from National Signing Day, and we had to get our guy on as usual. He is the genius behind the dotted line on hook'em.com. He's our recruiting guru, Mike Craven. What's up, Mike? How's it going, guys? We're doing good. We're doing good. So let's delve right into it. So Texas uh, signed, uh, I think, 17, and they got a grad transfer. How overall would you uh, uh, grade this class? What kind of letter grade would you give them? Yeah, I'd probably give it a B minus, a C plus, you know, and that's grading it on Texas's scale. You know, when you're when you're at the University of Texas, you should probably be signing top ten classes every year. That's just how much talent is in this state for everybody to kind of get and feed off of. So, uh, I think what we're seeing is just the results of a a, a season that didn't meet expectations. Uh, a bunch of rumors surrounding Tom Herman, and so you add those two things, and it's just hard to recruit this day and age when you're not. Uh, competing in, in big games. It's been a long time since Texas has really competed at the national level, and we need to remember as adults that these guys were six, seven, eight years old the last time that happened. So they're oh. just not looking at Texas the same way as they do maybe an OU, Ohio State, at Alabama, and it's starting to show on the recruiting trail. Man, you know that that, that um, seven, seven wins is just not going to cut it if you want to be a top 10. Um, as of this recording, 17th nationally uh, doesn't get it done. It's a smaller class. Uh, my question is, where are the offensive studs in this class? Their highest rated uh, player was a four-star receiver from Pompano Beach, um, Jaden Alexis. Uh, he's 378th nationally uh and then meanwhile you got got legacies like tommy brockemeyer the number two tackle uh goes to alabama what kind of challenge is tom herman facing not only now mike but in in subsequent recruiting classes because you're not getting those offensive studs that have been the cornerstone of this program yeah, I think uh, directly it's Oklahoma and it's Texas A&M. You know, if you're a skill position player in Texas or in the Southwest region in general, and you have an offer from UT, you have an offer from Oklahoma, you know, all you got to do is turn on your television and you know which offense is being run, you know, better right now, at least, you know, from a perception level. So I think Texas is losing a lot of skill position guys, quarterbacks, that kind of stuff to Oklahoma. Uh, and then A&M's had a really good year running the football. That offensive line is really good. 
and not with a bunch of five-star guys. So I think if you're a high-level offensive line recruit, you're looking at A&M's success there with three-star guys, four-star guys, and going, okay, if I'm an upper-level four-star, five-star guy, they can really turn me into something. So you have, you know, four or five straight Big 12 championships for Oklahoma. You have an emerging A&M team. And then you have a, a Texas team kind of struggling to figure out who it is and who is going to coach it long term. Those are tough, tough sells on the Ooh. recruiting trail when you get into those, you know, those rooms with guys that have offers from OU, LSU, Alabama, uh, A&M, Ohio State. You know, what do you sell right now as a program? So, so they're falling even further behind uh, from that gauge. And then you have Texas players opting out, you know, five of their captains, you know, opting out of the bowl game and, and preparing for the NFL draft. So they're, they're falling even further behind A&M and Oklahoma. And those are kind of the, the measuring sticks then, right, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm not going to be one of those guys that cares too much about the opting out. I, I think that's a sign of of guys being good. You know, you're really only opting nice. out if you think if you think you're going to you know get a look at the NFL. You're going to opt out of a pretty meaningless bowl game and a bunch of COVID testing and quarantine and all that kind of stuff. You're going to opt out of that right. um, to get ready for the draft. I, I don't think that's a a poor look on the program. Uh, but recruiting is kind of a, a good idea of what everyone thinks of you. You know, I think the recruiting trail kind of gives uh, a good window into the perception of the program. When we started this season, you know, Texas was on a roll recruiting wise. They were doing really well and they had gotten Quinn Ewers a five star in 2022. Uh, we, as we sit here today, you know, they've had five or six decommitments, in, including Quinn Ewers, including Billy Bowman in this class. I think it kind of just shows. Um, that at least at the high school level, the perception of Texas is not the same as it is those other blue blood programs that we usually see Texas grouped into when uh, recruiting rankings come out. You know, Michael, what we like about you is you not only cover the guys. I mean, this this is the culmination of your work. This this is a big day for you, but you're you're in those streets uh, during football season in the summer at camps and all of this, and you talk to guys who have yet to commit. To Texas, uh, by and large, what is their perception? These young guys, these tenth graders and these eleventh graders of Texas, because, like you said, Texas hasn't been great uh, since they started watching football. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that. You know, I, I think they look at, at Texas as uh, you know not on the same level as some of those rivals, A and M, or not A and M. You know, that's that's more kind of with Jimbo here, um, but with Oklahoma, LSU. Um, I think those are probably the two biggest rivals to Texas on the recruiting trail. I just don't think you see Texas get lumped into that. And then you see the success that Ohio State's had in the state. I think they look at Texas as kind of a, an, under, or an underachieving program with a lot of instability. Um, they've seen three different coaches since they started sixth grade. So, you know, I just don't know if there's ever been enough stability at Texas during their, you know, kind of adulthood's the wrong word, but since they could – really look at this and think to themselves, okay, I may have a chance to play some football. Where do I kind of want to look around and, and, and like, since they've been that since sixth, seventh, eighth grade, um, they just have not seen any success and they have not seen any stability within the program. And that, that takes a lot of ties, not only on the players, but you got to think of the high school staffs across the state. You know, you got your third coach in there um, trying to sell, those high school coaches on getting their kids to, to come there. And you can't really even guarantee that you're going to be there in a few years because of how the fan base has reacted and stuff. So it's just a really hard time right now 
to convince, you know, high school coaches, high school players, parents uh, to come to Austin and that they're going to have the same coach for the next four or five years and that they're going to go compete uh, for conference and national championships because they just simply haven't done that yet. Well, let's uh, let's go to the glass half full uh, look. Then uh, they did get some players. Jatavian Sanders, the versatile uh, athlete. Uh, you know, he's probably the top one, getting most of the attention. And uh, you say he's so versatile, he could play on either side of the ball. Is he the number one impact player in this class? And where do you think he ends up? Yeah, I mean, he's he's far and away the best player in the class. You know, he's top 21 nationally uh at 24 7 the next the next rated guy is jd coffee at 156 so i mean it, it's a pretty big jump you know in terms of at least on paper um the skill sets you know everybody wants to pencil him in as a defensive end because you know if we're playing a video game that's probably the the spot where you get drafted the highest and, and stuff but you know, right. these are guys that have opinions and, and want to play where they want to play I, I think he prefers playing offense i think he likes playing wide mm. receiver He's played it really well. Uh, Texas doesn't have a lot of stars over there. It's probably easier to get on the field um, early at wide receiver than it would be a defensive end. I, I don't know. Maybe with Osai being gone, he's physically ready to do that. Uh, but I, I just – I kind of lean towards uh, wait and see, let him get to campus and figure it out. But if I had to, to pick one right now, it's just awfully hard for me to, to think he leaves wide receiver completely. I'd imagine maybe like a Deshaun Jameson where he comes in, he plays wide receiver early. Uh, and then maybe moves to defensive to defense as he kind of matures physically because it's just a harder uh, position to play. Uh, but he really likes playing wide receiver. I think if he had to pick, uh, it would be wide receiver. It'll just be about if he if he gets to play the position he wants to play, or if he ends up playing the position that may be best suited for him long term. Well, there aren't too many guys that are going to play wide receiver, or defensive end. That's a pretty impressive skill set, isn't it? And he's a he's a unicorn. I mean, I'm not. I you know I'm I'm not a. I don't get as up on the. I mean, it's just recruiting. They haven't done anything yet. There's a lot of state. All that. All that's true. Um, but he's a freak, man. He really is a a freak. And so uh, Texas getting him to to sign and keeping him committed throughout all of this upheaval and all the noise and even his teammate Billy Bowman. Uh, decommitting and then committing to Oklahoma. So to get Sanders uh, signed today, I think is the bit of good news UT fans kind of need with the whole, you know, them feeling like the sky is falling type stuff over the last month. Where was who was second on his list? Yeah, he's been committed for a long time. You know, I would think Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama. I mean, he could have decommitted and picked. I mean, he could have just called any coach he wanted to in the nation and gone there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, you know, Texas beat everybody on that. He's he's that good of a player and that well thought of across the country. I did watch some YouTube of him, and man, YouTube's such a such a great resource during this during this because you get to see some yeah. you get to see some video. Uh, Mike, you, what you wrote about him on Hookem.com is just perfect. Your first sentence: He's a football player. I mean, that's what he is. I mean, yeah. you put him out there and he's going to make plays. But I, when I watched him, what I saw was a defensive end who could run and catch. He did have one hellacious Odell Beckham-like catch uh, in a game where he just went up and grabbed it with one hand like Ramont Taylor used to do back in the day when Texas was good. And so <laughs> I was like, um, I was like, this guy can play somewhere as a freshman, but he just felt, to me, felt like a defensive end and uh, he's already um, has those kind of instincts where he's he's trying to strip the ball instead of sack the quarterback because he knows he's going to get a hand on the quarterback as well. 
I just, I just, I just liked what I saw from him. And like you said, with, um, with Osai out, um, I, I could see him coming in and helping out at DN right away. I was going to ask you about, um, uh, uh, you know, the corner. He went. Tom went big in the secondary. Uh, Florida guy Jameer Johnson from Pasadena. He's kept his his uh, fingers in that California pot over the years. But, but you know, with the exception possibly of Chris Adamora, these California guys haven't really panned out. What do you think's up with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to chalk it up to bad luck. You know, Brew McCoy, I don't know if he should really even count. That was kind of more of a flirtation than really anything else. Uh, DeGabriel Floyd, I mean, that was stenosis of the net. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not like he just was underwhelmed or anything. I mean, he just had a, a medical deal. Um, that didn't work out. Chris Adamora will be a multiple year starter, probably an all conference type guy with an NFL uh, chance. So, um, you know, I think especially with how competitive recruiting in Texas is and with how uh, well Oklahoma LSU and those SEC programs from out of state recruit Texas, unless you're just winning big, it's going to be hard to just sit at home and get everybody to come there. You're going to have to go to Arizona or Louisiana or California or Florida and cherry pick a few guys um, early on. They were really high on this kid. You know, Jameer is a, a tall, long athletic corner uh, that seems to fit the profile that they like at that position. Um, and they went and got him early and, and kept him committed. He's going to enroll early. Um, so I just think they liked uh, him enough to go and take that chance. I think if, if guys are even, they're always going to lean towards the Texas guy. Um, but sometimes they just know that they're not getting the shots or the looks uh, from those guys that they want in state. So don't take an in-state guy that may be lesser, go out of state and take a guy who you think is better. And um, that's what they continue to do. Well, you know, that's good that they're getting him in early because they need to get some rocks in his pockets. He's 170 pounds. <laughs> He's skinny. Yeah. He's and really he didn't play foot and he didn't play football this year because of the California COVID rules. Oh, uh, wow. So, um, he's going to really benefit from getting in early and just being able to knock that rust off. And like you said, get in the weight room. And, you know, I think if, if people are listening now here, I think that's the the biggest thing that is difference between high school and college football is just like getting in the weight room. They all need to do that. You know, there's not a, even a Jatavion Sanders, who's a, a five-star guy. Uh, he still has a long way to go just physically before he could be like a three down defensive end, for example. So uh, it's big boy football and any of those guys that enroll early, I think have a huge advantage. That's why you see more and more uh, guys doing that. Well, the one running back they got in the class is Jonathan Brooks at uh, Hallisville and it's having a huge uh, playoff run. Uh, is he the next Jordan Whittington? I know he's kind of been a scoring machine for Hallisville. Yeah, I don't know. I think he he stays at running back. You know, Jordan's playing slot now. Um, right. Jordan's probably faster, uh, a little bit more athletic. Um, but John the Brooks is, is really good. You know, I know he doesn't have the track speed or whatever that a lot of a lot of scouts and stuff look for. But running backs, you know, they're not really going to run away from defensive backs anyway. So uh, I look more at vision and balance and, and stuff. He's just a, he's just he just knows what he's doing. I was at the Atlanta game. Uh, he counted for I think seven touchdowns, six rushing. He had a couple of interceptions. Um, so just a really good football player. He plays, you know, three, a division one. So, you know, he's, I think my mom could show up, watch warmups and go, okay, that's the one committed to Texas. So, I mean, there is a, a talent gap there. Um, yeah. and so that's kind of the hard thing at those. I think that's why he's a three-star rather than a four-star. If he played at a five, a six, a program and was still doing 
impressive things. He'd be easily a four-star guy. But Hallettsville, not really on the radar. Not a lot of guys get down there. This year, nobody can really get down there and watch it. So it's just one of those years where I think where he's playing in the classification he's playing makes him not as highly rated as maybe he should be. And he's playing in the Class 3A state championship game tonight. I saw some freakish numbers on him. 3,000 yards rushing and 60 touchdowns in one season? Yeah, I mean, his play, he's played five playoff games. I think he has over 1,300 yards rushing, uh, like over 20 touchdowns. I mean, that's just in the playoffs. Like it, it Just is, in the playoffs. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he, he really is, uh, you know, a class above everyone else um, there on the football field with him. It'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how he plays um, tonight in that championship game because I, everybody in the building knows he's kind of the key to winning that championship and the fact that he can still – put up those numbers, even though all 11 guys kind of know what's happening is really the most impressive part. What are some of the other impact players that you think, uh, I don't know how many are coming in at midterm and, and how many players you think, yeah, they could really help them as a freshman coming in. Yeah. There's seven guys coming in midterm. One of those, a quarterback, a couple other offensive linemen. So, you know, you expect those guys not to really play that much um, right. early on. Um, Derek Harris is coming off injury. Jameer Johnson, like I said, didn't play as a senior. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know with the, with the ability for seniors to come back, it'll be interesting to see kind of if that, you know, limits the amount of, of true freshmen that make an impact just because there's, there's more returning experience, especially at Texas, because there's going to be a decent amount of returning starters at a lot of positions where true freshmen uh, can really uh, contribute, you know, maybe a linebacker like a Maurice Blackwell from Arlington Martin, a four-star guy that had over a hundred tackles as, as a sophomore, as a junior, you know, if UT doesn't go into the grad transfer market or into the portal at linebacker, you got Jawan, um, you got DeMarvion who, you know, really played, I thought really well towards the end of the season there. But beyond that, you know, I don't know if you, you, you know, for sure, if you have some quality depth, so maybe he's able to come in there and play right away with just his ability to get around the football. He looks like a man in the pictures I've seen of Blackwell. He was like almost six one two hundred, right? He's pretty well built. Yeah, I've never seen him with a shirt on outside of when he's playing football. And I, you know, I don't blame him because I mean he's he's stacked. Uh, tell us a little bit about JD Coffee from Kennedale, twenty fifth in your Fab fifty five, a uh, safety who was all state as a freshman. In a really good, um, a really good district. Um, what do you see from him? Is he one of those guys that's going to come in and play right away? Yeah, he may be the guy I should have I should have included there, um, especially with you know Kane Stearns, Chris Brown being gone at safety. Um, if Adam Morris stays at nickel, I mean, again, it's one of those positions where you don't really know for sure kind of who those guys are behind. You think Jaron Thompson and some of those guys are good, but you just haven't seen them play enough to know. Um, he's a, he's a really good football player. Like I say, he's played a lot of varsity football, just a natural leader. Um, Caden Stearns was like that in high school where, you know, you just kind of talked to him. He just had a maturity level that was just different from a lot of dudes. He's had that since before he could drive. Um, so I, he's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment. He's going to be one of those guys who's watching a bunch of film and, and studying the playbook. Like he just like breathes this stuff. You know, you can kind of tell when you get around these guys and talk to them, I think two of the things you learn that aren't on film are actually how big they are. Um, and then also how much they just like eat and breathe football. And he's one of the dudes that just like, this is what he wants to do with his life. So I think he's going to be pretty successful and that should start, you know, probably in year one. 
Well, they got one quarterback in this class, Charles Wright, here, right here in Austin High, and they lost the guy, Jaquindon Jackson, uh, entered the transfer portal. So uh, I know you're pretty high on, uh, on Wright, are you not? Yeah, I like Charles Wright. You know, I, he's not a finished product. He needs to get stronger. Um, he's not a, an athletic freak like a Jaquindon Jackson or maybe even a Hudson Cards who had played, you know, wide receiver for Lake Travis before going Westlake. So, you know, with Quinn Ewers, that five-star in 2022 committed at the same time Wright committed, I think he was kind of, you know, written off as a, as a lifetime Longhorn that was brought in to just be a lifetime backup Um you know, but that was said about Colt McCoy, and he's the sure. last great. As he, you know, he's one of the great quarterbacks at, at, in this program, and I see a lot of similarities between the two. Really good high school careers, really accurate, understand offense, all of those things you need. He just needs to get into a weight program and figure that out, and he'll have that chance to do that for a year or two. I'm not saying he's gonna, you know, be John Elway or anything, uh, but it it wouldn't at all surprise me if we look back on this class and go, man, nobody talked about Charles Wright enough. Well, we, we did. We, you did tell us that there was a uh, grad transfer that came in, Darian Dunn, a cornerback from McNeese State. Uh, that that football hotbed. I'm not going to hate on McNeese State because back when I was in Tyler, uh, they they gave SFA all they could handle back in the old Southland Conference. Uh, what do you know about Darian? And uh, there's going to be some jobs that are going to be fought for in that secondary with uh with so many departures yeah i think he's going to come in right away and at least provide depth you know texas needs more faces there uh he's really fast like he he's an indoor track guy at mcneese as well mcneese has a really good track program probably a better track program than anything else on that campus athletically uh, but he's like he's an indoor 60 meter champion he's done hurdles and long jumps as well uh so an athletic guy who's 6'1 192 and can come and compete you know, with Josh Thompson, Deshaun Jamison, Jalen Green, those guys, and really just add another uh, person at a position. They lost Kenyatta Watson to a transfer to Georgia Tech. And then Ishmael Ibrahim, uh, commitment in this 2021 class, the only guy who hasn't signed, he got in some trouble um, last weekend, still trying to figure out if Texas will, will let him sign or not. I think they're doing their due diligence behind the scenes to kind of figure out if he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time or if he was an active participant, that kind of stuff. So I think it was a – not only was it, you know, hey – we need some instant depth here. It was a, okay, if we can't sign Ish in this class, let's go ahead and replace him with another corner. Come on, Ish. Come on, Ish. I just, I just hope it gets straightened out. I was like, man, this is the, this, this is supposed to be the biggest week of your life. And, and, and you, you just stay home and play video games. I mean, you may be innocent in all of this, but man, it, this is not the week week to be messing up. And I just hope I just hope that he's exonerated or whatever because uh, you, you'd hate to see him throw it all away on, on something stupid. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big second chance guy. I mean, a lot of people know. I mean, I've gotten some trouble when I was his age as well. That kind of cost me some things. And so, you know, I, I kind of I tend to probably be a little bit softer on this stuff than, than most people just because it hits close to home. But mm -hmm. you have to learn early on when you're really good at something specifically football because of how much people care about it. You're not allowed to make those mistakes behind the scenes and grow for, from them and, you know, and be anonymous as you do it. You know, not many people talked about my stuff except for my family and everything. I was able to, to get past it. And now when I apply for jobs, it's not like it's brought up, but him being a big time football recruit, 
What are you yeah, doing applying for jobs? Hold on. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you're not, not going to let you get away with that. Uh, just trying to <laughs> slide that in there. Your ass ain't going anywhere. So go ahead. <laughs> You know, but you know what I mean, though, you know, most of us make mistakes and nobody really knows about it except for the people that we care about. And they're nice to us about it. So when you have to be 17, 18 years old and your biggest mistake of your life is put out there on social media Mm -hmm. um, with, you know, and it's just tough. It's just it's tough. So uh, I'm with you. Yeah, you should be staying at home and and all that is the biggest week of your life. And it's completely dumb to be in the situation that he's in. I also hope that he's given a second chance and is able to kind of hopefully prove that this was an aberration and not, you know, part of his real character. Nice. Absolutely. Well, finally, was there, was there any specific need or just two needs that were not addressed in this class that it's going to hurt them probably more than anything else, Mike? Yeah. Offensive line's the big one. You know, this was a, this was a great year in state for offensive line. I mean, historically great. You had the Brockemeyer twins, Donovan Jackson's really good. Bryce Foster, Savion Burr. I mean, the list goes on and on. There was, I think, close to 20 offensive linemen on the Fab 55 this year. Wow. Oklahoma signed a great class at offensive line. A&M signed a fantastic class along the offensive line. Texas did not sign a four-star or better uh, along the offensive line, like a consistent you know, 24-7 composite four-star. So just mm-hmm. not a good year at that position, a, a position that they need to get better at recruiting. And to me – it's the biggest sign that Texas is not at that level of Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Is you, you can't get there until you're signing those big-time offensive line prospects, and Texas just simply cannot get those on a yearly, consistent basis, even when they're legacies. You know, they should have the Brockemeyers here. I think it's a big sign of, of just what the perception is of Texas right now that they did not get those guys to come to campus. When you look at it, Mike, and I'm – you know, uh, they're always showing the 05 games. And, and, and Casey Stuttered, Lyle Sinline, those guys were legacy guys. And when you get big legacy guys who, whose dads played here, uh, they have to come. And for the Brockemeyer twins to go to Alabama, I get it. It's Alabama. Right. But it still has got a sting on the 40 acres that you can't get. I mean, you hear Brockemeyer, and the first thing I think is, oh, yeah, UT lineman. I mean, that's that's, yeah. that's what it is. But now that legacy is going to be changed. That's I mean, their older, their older brother Luke's on the team, you know. So, you know, like it's not only just their dad. I mean, it, it also their older brother. So, um, yeah, it's just a, a big miss. And, it, and it, frankly, it, it came to – they were pretty honest and forthright about what it came down. It came down to – Alabama competes for national championships and Alabama has offensive linemen that, you know, every time you turn on an NFL game, at least one of those guys is usually from Alabama. So um, that's what the big time prospects look at. Can they play in big time games? Can they go get drafted in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Alabama is going to beat almost anybody at that, especially up front. That's a big red flag. No question about it. So, well, Mike, any, any final thoughts you want to put some uh, icing on this, uh, recruiting class uh, either texas or beyond anything uh, long reaching that have uh, far as implications yeah i mean i do think that we probably get overly pessimistic on these things i mean it, it is just recruiting in terms of you know they've had top five classes and not done as well um and then you but you see a sam a samuel cosme who was a three-star who's now you know about to be a first-round draft pick probably so 
just because this class is 17th in the nation doesn't mean that there's not some players in there that are going to be good or that it could overachieve. And we'll look back and go, man, that was a really good class compared to a class that may have ranked higher. But on paper, uh, I think the class kind of mirrored um, the regular season and just, you know, it underachieved based on expectations at Texas. And you know what? Um, at the end of the day, you got to coach them up. I don't care how many stars are took by their name. You have to coach them up. So they've got some talent in this class. We'll see if they develop into good football players. Mike, uh, man, we appreciate it. Uh, you can find his stuff. He's all over hookup.com. He's the co-host of the Longhorn Confidential Podcast with Danny Davis. And find him on Twitter at Craven Mike. Mike, we appreciate it, man. And uh, get some sleep. I know you've been up for a while. Uh, it's uh, state championships for the smaller schools, so I'll be uh, I'll be watching. <laughs> follow, follow me. I'll be at the Jonathan Brooks game tonight. We'll give you we'll give you a day off in January. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, well, probably March after the national signing day in February. Is probably. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, fella. See ya later. Take bro. care. Bye bye. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's Mike Craven, the great. Uh, keeps us. Very informed on recruiting matters. Great stuff. National Signing Day. And, um, man, that was fun. Very informative. On Second Thought. Duck, we got one of our favorites on the line. He is SI.com National College Football Columnist, Pat Forty, our favorite Louisville native. What's up, Pat? Cedric, Kirk, good to be with you. Uh, glad to uh, talk a little football in a place where there's been – there's always a lot of football to talk, but holy cow, things have been even more interesting than usual. Yeah, it's a lot of football talk, but it always seems like there's more off-the-field football to talk in Austin, as you know, Pat. Uh, well, I'll just start out with you. From the outside looking in, Pat, what's the stranger situation, uh, Auburn or Texas – as far as kind of the national perception. Oh, I, I would say Auburn. Auburn's more dysfunctional. I mean, there, there's plenty of drama, as you guys know, at Texas. Plenty of palace intrigue. Uh-huh. <laughs> A lot of people who want to put their fingers in the pie, so to speak, and have their input. But Auburn makes no sense most of the time. I mean, it is – the, the level of crazy there I don't think uh, would fly anywhere else. It's its own special level of kind of dysfunction and, uh, <laughs> and the way things operate. You know, I, I just I, – I would have a hard time seeing Texas hiring Bruce Pearl and then keeping <laughs> Bruce Pearl after a federal investigation uh, implicated his assistant coach and the NCAA came in with a letter of allegations. Uh, and, I, and I think we saw the difference – between Auburn and Texas in their decisions on what to do with Tom Herman and what to do with Gus Malzahn. You know, yeah. uh, I think the, I, I personally, I think Texas made the, the, the smart play there when they weren't going to get urban Meyer to, to hang on to Tom Herman. But of course I'd be interested to hear what you guys think on that as well. Well, well, we know that War Eagle gave Gus Malzahn $21.7 million to go away. And I read where he's Auburn's highest paid state employee. I think Pat Forty wrote that. Um, they gave 21.7 to hit the bricks. And um, who cares about optics, obviously? Um, I'm reading, are, are they really interested in that bastion of recruiting integrity, that, that champion 
of young college student athletes, Hugh Freeze. Are they really interested in Hugh Freeze? Please say no. uh, That's the case. Some of them are. Uh, but you know, who's in charge and who, who all gets input on this? Uh, I, I don't, from what I was told, I don't think the administration wants Hugh freeze for abundantly obvious reasons. And especially since right. they have a major investigation going on right now with, with basketball. Uh, but there's boosters that are, you know, there's absolutely a mindset among some people involved with Auburn that we have got to have somebody who can beat Alabama period. And right. Hugh Freeze beat Alabama twice in 2014, 2015. He was two and three against Nick Saban. And that's a good record against Nick Saban. It really and, is. And he's, he's done very good work at Liberty. I mean, he's a good coach. There's no doubt about it. It's just how much baggage do you want to take on? Well, they had a guy that could beat Alabama as well. And <laughs> they, they jettisoned him. So I think, I think Auburn should just go all in and get Art Briles. Okay. I'm just <laughs> wow. He, he resigned at, at Mount Vernon high school where he'd taken them into the playoffs. And uh, so he's available. I know he was interviewing uh, part of the Baylor uh, investigation uh, by the NCA this week, but uh, he's available. And you know, Kendall Browse, his son, who's an offensive genius, is is still is back in college football and has been. So, could you see Art Browse flying at Auburn? Uh, even even for Auburn, that might be a bridge too far. <laughs> um, and they, you know, that's the only place I think that would possibly even consider it. Um, uh-huh. You know, the, and the biggest thing, the biggest problem for Art is he's never beaten Nick Saban. Now, he's never played him either, but, right. but you've got to try to think the way they think down there. And, and you know, it's all about that. Uh, but, now I, I mean, any school that hires Art Browse, you better put on the Kevlar vests and be ready because people <laughs> like myself and others will absolutely go after you. Yeah, I think I think Texas Tech was mulling it a little bit when – they uh, decided to keep Matt Wells after two frustrating years, two four-win seasons. So, uh, well, before we move on to Texas, who's your money on if you had to guess on Auburn? It doesn't sound like it's, anything's going to happen very quickly there with so many fingers in the pie, but is Kevin Steele, their D.C., who we knew from his glory days at Baylor where he actually won a game in conference. Uh, wow. Is your money on Kevin Steele, or who would you go with, Pat? As far as guessing, I just can't see him doing Kevin Steele. You know, I mean, he's been a good defensive coordinator, very good. But, but I mean, like, his record is so bad. It's been yeah. so long since he was a head coach, and he did still perpetrate, in my mind, perhaps the worst play in college history when they went for the statement touchdown that turned into a hundred-yard fumble return loss against UNLV back right. whatever year that was. Uh, I, you know, if I had to guess, I think they're going to, they end up with uh, like Billy Napier, maybe from Louisiana, who I think is a very good coach. Who's got some territory, some background there. He was a Saban assistant at Alabama for a while. Uh, you know, they, they they're going to take some swings at other people. Uh, they, there's been some talk about Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I, and I know Sark would love to have a power five job. I, I have a hard time seeing him given, given what Saban basically did to kind of get his career back going, seeing him going to take the arch rival job, but you never yeah. know. Things happen. Well, Sark's got to get a job this year. I mean, this is one of the better Alabama teams and oh. the odds on favorite to win the championship. Have you ever heard Sark's name anywhere else? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Nitsby was out there a little bit for uh, for Vanderbilt. Um, I, I don't think Illinois, although if I were Illinois, I'd want to talk to him. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll see what uh, if there's anything else opens. I think if like if 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 uh, Virginia Tech had opened or or you know Arizona is also certainly a possibility. And yeah, Texas, sure. Um, you know, I mean, he's done really really good work. And if his personal issues that he that cost him the job at USC are behind him, he'd be a very attractive candidate. Yeah. Well, Pat Forty hosts a podcast with. Uh, Fellow National College football writers, you'll, you'll uh, recognize these names, Dan Wetzel and Pete Thamel. It's called the Yahoo College Sports Podcast. Check it out on, on I'm sure it's everywhere. Um, you brought up Texas. Uh, Pat, is, um, is, was Urban Meyer, you've been around Urban Meyer, was Urban Meyer close from what you think? Was he close to coming out of retirement? to take on this Texas challenge. What do you know about that? Well, as near as I can gather, he certainly kicked the tires on it. Um, you know, urban urban, I would, it would be tough if you're an AD trying to hire urban because he wants to be wanted. So he's going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was willing to listen to USC last year. And I think he might've ended up at USC if they had hired a different athletic director. I just don't think he felt like Mike bone mm-hmm. was, Right. The guy. And I mean, as you guys know, Chris Del Conte believes with, with some reliability that he could sell snow to the Eskimos, you know, I mean, he's, he is a salesman and I'm sure Chris probably thought if I just can get in there and I can get face to face with urban, I can sell it. And, you know, I don't know what in the, it ultimately was, was urban's reservation uh, about doing it other than the fact that he, he does like doing TV and he is really good at TV. He is. I, I, I really enjoy watching him and he especially is. I do some work for big 10 network and his, his breakdowns he does of plays and situations and things is, is just outstanding. So he's the most whatever, prepared guy on that show, Pat. What's that? He's the most prepared guy on that show. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he, so he's, he, I mean, He's good on that side of things. And, and, you know, maybe he just stepped back and said, okay, court me, court me. Mm, no, I just can't do it. Yeah, maybe not. And I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I think he's either going to stay retired in TV or wait for Brian Kelly to leave Notre Dame and, and go there. You know, that seems like everybody's dream job, you know. Uh, but Texas has apparently decided to uh, keep Tom Herman. It was so weird when, when we wrote the story over the weekend, Pat. Uh, there was this two-paragraph statement, and it was the most ambiguous, poorly worded, vague lukewarm endorsement you could ever have of a coach it was two paragraphs i guess three would have been stretching it you know you don't <laughs> want to go too out on the limb on endorsing your coach so uh you know we both cedric and i both really like chris and we respect him a lot but i can't believe he left the door so open by saying tom herman is our coach yeah we know that chris we're excited moving forward okay yeah we knew that too. about the players and but yeah. nothing about we're not excited about where tom's taking us yeah. uh, i mean it was so strange it was very strange yeah yeah so it's like so it leaves the door open pat like okay if urban meyer changes his mind after christmas and has that itch or an NFL coach or Kyle Shanahan, like, you know, I'm getting tired of the NFL, which never happens. 
you know, it left the door ajar a little bit. And they've really mishandled this so, so badly. So uh, I don't know. Why do you think in your mind, Pat, do you think Tom Herman hasn't gotten it done to this point? Four years, 31 and 18, hasn't won a Big 12 yet. Yeah, you know, boy, first of all, yeah, it's obvious that, I mean, the statement was as, <laughs> as, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Unenthusiastic as, as you're ever going to see. Yeah. And usually, yeah, that's the time where even if, even if you're not thrilled that he's your coach, you got to act like you're thrilled that he's your coach. And to not do that, I, I just think that that kind of exacerbates all the problems that were already there. And if you're, mm-hmm. if you're Herman, you got like, Oh, thanks. Okay. Are we really going to go forward with this? So I mean, it does leave open the possibility. Yeah, are they waiting for somebody else out there? I, I don't, you know, I don't know who it would be or what the situation would be, but it, it just was, was a real underwhelming uh, decision, at least, or, or articulation of a decision. Uh, as far as why Tom hadn't gotten it done, guys, I, boy, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I really, I thought he was the hire. I thought, I thought he was absolutely um, just on a path to, win like Mac Brown did at Texas and, you know, to, to recruit like Mac did and just, and to just really knock it out of the park. And I am surprised, you know, I I don't know whether he came in with a level of overconfidence and maybe underestimated everything that was going to go into the job. It's not like he didn't have any background there, Mm -hmm, but still it doesn't mean that you know everything you're getting into. And you know, I, I, it just hasn't worked out. I, I, they, they, I, I watch them play and I just see, you know, so many times when they hold themselves back, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they, they have the best talent, but they have good enough talent that they should be doing better. And you just see key mistakes at key times, repeated mistakes. Uh, what's that? Yeah, they're, they're their own worst enemy. You're exactly right. Every game is close. It seems like yeah. every game comes down to the fourth quarter. And here, a lot of people have thought, well, they've just wasted the career of Sam Mellinger, who's a good to really great college quarterback. And, uh, you know, here he is finishing four years and, you know, hadn't even won a Big 12 conference. So at the end of Mac, Mac couldn't get the quarterback situation straight because, you know, we all know he didn't recruit the JT Barrett's RG3, Johnny Manziel, go on down the list. But Tom had his quarterback, and he did change his staff after two years, and you kind of always know what the next step is if things don't work out after you change your staff, don't you, Pat? Yeah, absolutely. No, and I mean, I will say that if if this weren't a pandemic situation, and I made this point in my column, and, and the school is losing tens of millions of dollars I, I don't think it would have been unjustifiable right. to fire him. I just, I think that from a financial standpoint and an optics standpoint and a responsibility standpoint, it just sends the completely the wrong message to say, we've got to tighten our belt everywhere, except over here where we're going to spend an absolute fortune to get rid of this guy, <laughs> you know, go, go war Eagle. Um, all right. So um <laughs> I've been really intrigued with this this feud between between ACC uh, coaching great national coaching great Dabo Sweeney and Greg Sankey, <laughs> who the the Big Ten goes from um, they go from we don't want to play football 
to, okay, we'll play football, to, no, you got to have a certain amount of games, to, no, we're going to have a special meeting to make sure Ohio State gets in there. And so now uh, the commissioner and and the and uh, Dabo Sweeney are trading barbs. What side of the fence are you on? I think the big – Dabo's going to get his shots in, but I just think the Big Ten is coming across – as very disingenuous. What do you think about that, Pat? Yeah, well, you know, in general, I, I look at what both, uh, you know, the Big Ten and the ACC did. And, and basically, they, you know, we've, we have pulled back the curtain on college football this year like never before. And it, we have seen it's not just about the Power Five. It's about the privileged members of the Power Five. And the ACC said, hey – We've got a chance to get two teams in the playoff. We're going to do what we have to do. And so we're just going to cancel games for, for Notre Dame and Clemson so that they get the, the straight ride into the championship game. If you play the game, something like LSU beating Florida could happen. You know, oh, that's why you yes. play. That's why you play. As far as right. the Big Ten, same thing. You know, it's like, well, we set up all these rules, but we've changed our mind 13 times anyway. So let's just change it one more time because Ohio state's the whole reason we had the season to begin with, because they stood on the table and slammed their foot down and said, we're good. We need to play. Exactly. <laughs> okay. We'll play. All right, we'll do it. So yeah. Now that we get to the point where they've only played five games, well, okay, we'll just change the rules and, and let them in there. I, so, you know, is it to me, is it distasteful? Yes. But is it also reality that this is how it works? Uh, yes. So that's where we are. This is business. Yeah. And this is about money, right? This is about money. And, yeah. and the, uh, you know, the SEC and the big 12 were the first, the first to, to say, we're going to play football. And Greg Sankey wants to make sure everybody knows that. And Dabo wants the big 10 and we, we play nine or 10 games. So, yeah. but, um, where, where are you on the, where are you on the, on the, um, on, on, well, I, I guess where are you on, on the concept of uh, we're greedy and we really don't care what anybody thinks about it? Where's the integrity in all of this? Uh, I know it's college football, but is there any ounce of integrity on either, either side of that fence? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you know, and it's so it's it's disconcerting to me because. You know, you can you can sit down and talk to these people and a lot of men say, you know, boy, that's a smart guy. It's a well-meaning person. And I they they do care about the athletes and things like that. And then you see but then you step back and you see the decisions that are made. And it's like uh, they talk a good game, but, <laughs> but here's the game that they actually play. And. You know, I, I don't know. I've had so many people tell me in the last like four months, you you, you don't even like sports. You hate college. Latinos. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's not the case. I really like it. I, I like it as a fan and I sure like it as a means of earning a paycheck, but that doesn't mean we got to go along and get along with all of it. There's parts of it that stink. And I think it's our job to call it out. And so, you know, I look at that and I look at, you know, the, the, SEC versus uh, the ACC, that, that squabble and Sankey and, and Dabo. The, the one funny thing there, guys, is is both Dabo and, and Notre Dame is like, hey, we've played 10 games, you know. Well, yeah, they, one of those games is Citadel and one of those games <laughs> is South Florida, which is the worst team in the AAC. God, just stop right. with the gamesmanship, man. That, that's what I guess I'd like to say. 
Well, Pat, uh, you you mentioned the comments you get from your, from your readers, um, and you can find Pat at by Pat Forty on Twitter. Um, you're one of those rare national guys that we follow who isn't afraid to get after somebody. So uh, some of some of the guys are are aren't, aren't going to be as critical. Um, how much blowback do you get because your audience is, is as a national guy is so much bigger. They got like guys me like me and Kirk. We we're in one area, but you cover a whole country. What's the blowback like on Twitter and social media for you? Yeah, I mean, you guys know you get the blowback too because you guys have never sugarcoated things. Uh, and and quite frankly, it's it's in your backyard. Sometimes that's a little more difficult. Uh, I know that from my days as a columnist at the Louisville Courier Journal. But yeah, I mean, it's there. Uh, and this has been such a contentious year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I've lost thousands and thousands of Twitter followers and that's fine. So about people, good riddance, man. I don't want, if, if I'm not for you, you're definitely not for me. So that's okay. Uh, you know, that, it, to me, that's the way that the job needs to be done. And, and you don't have to always be a crank, but you need to be a crank when it feels like the right thing to do, in my opinion. And I see a lot of people look, I, I, everybody's doing their job the best they can. And everybody wants to keep their jobs in these times. But some people have just, I think, totally rolled over for the sake of access. It's like, I, I'm not going to criticize these 20 guys because I need access to them. Mm-hmm. I can't do it that way. Right. I'm sorry. All right, if, if I'm not okay. going to get a job, break news on this guy's job because he won't talk to me. Okay. That's the way it goes. You know, that yeah. I can't, I, I just that's don't see doing the job that way. We respect Absolutely. that. That's, that's you're so widely respected too. Well, we, we haven't, we've seen more chaos seems like off the field and, in the, the conversations and the bickering, but you know, now we're at the final weekend, you know, I'm praying for upsets, you know, I'd, I'd give anything to see Florida <laughs> beat Alabama or Northwestern to knock up Ohio state, make them think a little bit. I'd love to see Cincinnati, you know, if they win their championship to get in. I'm making you the commissioner today, Pat Ford, you're the football commissioner and you run the selection committee. Uh, do we, are we ready for another Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio state, playoff field or would you make an argument put somebody else like an a&m or cincinnati in there maybe uh, i should be the commissioner let's start with that so <laughs> nice I, like um, I would love to see cincinnati get a shot you know yeah. they've, they've done everything asked of them and everything their virus numbers allowed them to do uh, right. it is a shame they didn't get to play tulsa at tulsa last week because i think that would have helped them and then uh, now they're going to get to play tulsa this week but I, you know, they're a good team. I've seen them in person. I've watched them on TV. They are a very good team. They have a great defense. Their quarterback is very good. Their offensive line is good. Um, you know, I, 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 it would be fun. I agree. Like if, if Tennessee beats Texas A&M and Northwestern beats Ohio state, mm-hmm. I would boy the committee room. If it's, if it's undefeated Cincinnati sitting behind two lost Florida and two lost Georgia, let's say Florida doesn't beat Alabama. If it's okay. two lost Georgia ahead of Cincinnati and two lost Iowa state shooting for that last spot and they don't take Cincinnati, I'll start the riot. <laughs> I'll be right behind you. Then we have to, then we have to expand. Then we have to expand. Yeah. Uh, do they, do they should, but uh, I mean, they should have done it this year. I mean, of all years, not to expand to six or eight. The, the NFL expanded. 
<coughs> yeah, on the fly. They pulled yeah. the Big Ten and did it on the fly. I don't know why they couldn't do that this year. So, I, are you going to go to any of the semifinals and finals game, Pat, or are you going to stay at home like the rest of us? My plan is to go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, we will see if there is a Rose Bowl. Yeah. If there is a and where is the Rose Bowl? <laughs> I, think there, I think there will be, uh, but – yeah, that's my intention is to go there and then to go to the uh, the championship game. We'll see. But uh, do, you, do you think they can move the Rose Bowl to another site to get it out of California? Glendale, baby, Glendale. Yeah, Iris, Iris. My my sense is this: is that the Rose Bowl is going to be held in Pasadena, and it will be a semifinal, and it's either going to be with families of the players or without them. I think yeah. that the playoff committee people are posturing really hard. And the athletic directors are pushing hard just for the allowance of families at least. But I don't think they're – if they don't win, I don't think they have a good recourse. There's a contract with the Rose Bowl, and it's not an inexpensive contract. Right. And the other thing is ESPN wants to see that game in the Rose Bowl with the sunset at the end of the third quarter, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 blah. That's right. That's right. My last one, Pat. Uh, what's, your, what's your take on what Jimbo Fisher is doing in College Station – or the Texas A&M Aggies really the fifth best team in all of college football? Boy, I, you know, he's done well. He has done well. And I, I know that that's increased the pressure on Tom Herman to have oh, yeah. somebody, you know, down in Austin said, we're a water cooler state and Texas A&M is winning the water cooler right now. You know, and the, that's a hard one for the Texas boosters to deal with. Uh, I don't think they're probably the fifth best team, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, I've watched them a fair amount because I because I kind of want to know, like, really, are we are we sure they should be where they are? Right. And I saw them get trucked by Alabama, and I thought, man, Jimbo's doing nothing with this. And then they turn around and they beat Florida, and that was a good win. Lost a little bit of luster this last weekend. Uh, I watched them against Auburn, and that was a struggle, but they got it done. You know, they've won enough games. I don't think they've been a great team by any stretch this season, but they've won enough games and that Florida win has carried a lot of currency for them. Yeah. And they yeah. beat Vanderbilt 17 to 12. I was there. I was like, wow, this might be bad this year. They right. Struck with LSU remember, in the rain. Tell them mom was all over the place that yeah. game. So yeah. before we let you go, uh, I know you've had, you have a daughter who's been an Olympic caliber swimmer. At oh yeah. Stanford, and Stanford cut, what was it? 11 sports, Pat? Yes, yes. 11 and, uh, so I don't know how – your daughter's still at Stanford and a very good swimmer. So what's the mood, the temperature out there? It's, it's been tough. It's been very tough. Now, you know, they're not going to cut swimming. They're, they're the best swimming program in the country. No disrespect to Carol Capitani, but it's the truth. We <laughs> my daughter hard, and my daughter loved Texas. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's you know, the, I mean, college athletes – are not in a good spot right now. It's just, it is very, very difficult. I mean, you aren't, it is not fun. It's not easy. Um, and, you know, their season normally by now in a normal season, they would have had like four or five swim meets. They would have had a big invitational meet at Texas A&M in November. They've, they've taken a bus to Berkeley twice to swim and that's it. That's all they have done this whole season. And there's no telling. They don't have anything scheduled yet for January or February. We don't know what's going to happen. So, wow. you know, and that's, so that's, that's on non-revenue athletes, but like the basketball, the basketball season is an absolute mess right now. Trying Ugh. to get, going. Uh, you know, I feel for all the college athletes out there, 
you know, some places are more restrictive than others. And Stanford is incredibly restrictive. Uh, but, but everywhere, they, this is a very hard year to be a, an athlete. They got to They got to get the NCAA basketball tournament in though. Don't they Pat? the money is too important for NCAA and Indianapolis to keep their doors open. I mean, can you imagine if they end up canceling another NCAA basketball tournament? The if they cancel another basketball tournament, my, I, I don't know. It'll be the end of college sports as we know it. I, I hate to be dramatic, but it was a $600 million loss last year. I yeah. think they made up $200 million of that in insurance, but $600 million was the number. You can't go two years in a row without that. Yeah. And with our, the syringes are coming, man. The syringes yeah. are coming. Uh, I think it's first responders, medical personnel, uh, basketball players in college. I think that's the, I think, I think they're the third group. Where do sports columnists come in there? About a thousand, something like that. <laughs> You're last, man. You're last. <laughs> All I know is uh, I'm getting mine in Austin, and I'm not going to be in line behind Kirk Bowles. I knew. <laughs> Can't take that chance. I'm too high risk. I am too high risk. But, Pat, man, we appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with us. Uh, check him out at, on the Yahoo College Sports Podcast with Dan Wetzel and Pete Thamel, and follow him on Twitter at bypad 40 Pat, we appreciate it, man. Let's talk again soon. Okay, my pleasure, guys. Love your work. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. You stay safe, Pat. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. On Second Thought. That will do it for episode 204 of On Second Thought. We have to thank statesman recruiting guru Mike Craven and SI.com's Pat Forty for joining us. For the Doug Kirk Bowles, I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.